Yeah, do you want to you want me to twist one up? Yeah, you want, you can talk while you're twisting, can't you? Yeah, Hell yes. that's what I do all the time. Welcome to Far North Tokers. This is episode 143, June 23rd, 2019. Thank you all for listening. Special music show today. Music Dave, David Snyderman. You know, asking around, seeing if he wants to come on for a while now. Finally got him on. He's in all kinds of things. Bees, hobby farm, chickens, growing cannabis. Oh yeah, he plays guitar too. I was dying. I brought my guitar. Dying to play some with him. I'm no good. Did manage to sing a little dead. And pull my guitar out at the very end. Things are already cut off, but I got to play with a good guitarist again. Had myself a good time. Thank you to token sponsors. Alaska Puffin on the Go. Green Dreams Cultivation. Alaskan Blooms. Frizen Farms. And AK Canadaid. Let's listen to some music. Hey, this is Lennon. And Chad, how's it going? Going freaking awesome. I hope everybody's cool out there in Fairbanks, Toker country. Uh, Sunday, we're going to have uh, $27 for all of our good two-pack of grams. Hell yeah. The 24th, Monday, we will... Uh, we're, it looks like 95 for a 20-pack of joints. That's a pretty good deal, oh, man. Oh, wow, yeah, that's, that's awesome. A, that's a hell of a deal. 25th, looks like we got $30 good gummies. 26th, we'll have... $89, 7 grams of Durban poison That's flour. That's a hell of a deal. Hell of a freaking deal. But it looks like Thursday we got an even better deal. 45 for uh, an eighth of all good cannabis. And the 28th, Friday, we'll have our 150 half ounce sale. Damn. Come pick up an ounce of some Killer Chronic for $300. Damn. That's a hell of a deal, man. That's like, that's like a robbery. <laughs> It's like you're robbing us. It's like you're robbing us. It looks like a Saturday we got $10 one gram king rolls. So make sure to come stock up. And uh, we're going to finish the week off on Sunday. Finishing strong with those uh, $40 Skittles vapes. Come taste the rainbow. Yeah. Get a free uh, beaker bong with any purchase of 14 grams. Yeah, stay high Fairbanks. And stay fly. Fly. And Far North Tokers would like to thank Good Cannabis for sponsoring the podcast. Friday and Saturday, 10 to 11. Sunday through Thursday, 10 to 10. 356 Old Steez Highway, Fairbanks, Alaska. 907-452-5463. Good Cannabis. Here's Token. Marijuana has intoxicating effects and may be habit-forming and addictive. Marijuana impairs concentration, coordination, and judgment. Do not operate a vehicle or machinery under its influence. There are health risks associated with the consumption of marijuana. For use only by adults 21 and older, keep out of the reach of children. Marijuana should not be used by women who are pregnant or breastfeeding. Smoke it in a bowl? Ken, it's up to you. I think that's all right. I don't need all the extra paper. I'll just break it up on the, on the table here. And well, welcome I... to Far North Tokers. Thanks for having me. Studio. One day this will be more. But right now, it's a place. It's quiet. It's got good acoustics, like you're saying. Can you hear the uh, 
it's almost like there's chorus added into the voice yeah, underneath you, already. Can you hear can you hear me crunching these buds up? I'm sure it happens. <laughs> it's not it's it's kind of a just at that perfect stage too where it's this was harvested i want to say this white widow was harvested two weeks ago because yesterday our wave crashed on the uh, durban poison that we were growing we did just like a whole table of durban poison and it smells like it's phenomenal it smells like roses like special type of gourmet special roses strain. you would and and it's really fragrant so we're gonna run that in with this uh, other stuff, but this this white widow is probably two weeks old in a jar, and um, it got to about sixty five percent humidity, and then we put it in a jar, and it finished really good. We'll How long have you been growing? I've been really seriously working on it now for about five years, but it's like I started it off as like a hobby, and my son and me. He got me serious about it because I was, we were growing the same strain, this thing called cheesy headband. And he had the same. Why? Clone. Why were you growing the same thing? You guys both liked it. It was just a good strain you guys had. It was a free seed that came along with this um, batch of seeds. We bought green crack and this purple something or other. I can't even remember it because um, it didn't go off well. And the green crack was great, but green crack is usually good. But anyway, I was growing in dirt and he was growing in hydro. And same everything, and he was getting twice as much per plant that I was. And I was like, well... Sold right away. Yeah, I'm like, this is interesting. Yeah, and I was right at the end of my college thing, and I needed a class or two that, you know, I could just take a, you know, fuck-off class. And for me, it's like, I don't like fucking off when, you know, I don't have to. So I took a class on uh, plant biology. It was uh, it was just like an entry-level... Um, plant biology class where you grew stuff and I learned a lot about nutrients and mixing shit and it really kind of came together when we married that and our hydro thing that we're doing now because I do deep water culture that's my love because you get big giant stuff and he likes doing tables of stuff with a bunch of variety he likes flooding them from the bottom he likes the way that happens and it, and you know if you got a thousand watt light and you got a careful gardener you're going to get a pound per three square foot in my garden that's what we get if i'm doing two plants deep water culture in five gallon buckets it produces one pound if he does a table full of plants compared to that he still gets the same pound it's just he gets different flavors and i'm stuck with two you know so um and we still the cheesy headband is still a part of our garden for five years so i don't believe that you can just keep cloning from a clone from a clone and a clone and mess anything up because we've been doing that and this thing still puts out. It's our heavy hitter too. It was a free seed and this thing, anything we put it next to, it's like a pinky compared to a fist. This thing, just the buds on it is like, are unbelievable and they smell just like food. Mm. And I should have brought some. I have a jar of that at home that I, you know, I'm like stashing that because it's mm. going to be a couple of cycles before the cheesy headband comes back through. What's well, nice having your different strains. You yeah, and it's exciting. It is kind of on the hobby level, but on another level, it's you know, me and me and my son both use cannabis every day, and that is just ungodly expensive. It is, you know, so. The only answer is if you if you really love cannabis and you want to use it every day for wellness purposes, which is the reason we both use it, you know, I, I stay out of them camps, you know, that medical versus recreational, because I think it's BS. It's all wellness. Yeah, it's just wellness thing. And, and so I'm sitting here running my mouth and 
and I should be packing this bowl. And so, yeah, it would just become way too expensive. And here's the thing is it helps me avoid so many medical bills if you do want to look at it on a medical side of things because that wellness product kind of aspect to it is, you know, yeah, I think it helps us head off a lot of of stuff that we would end up preemptive. Yeah, preemptive, because we would pay money down the road to have somebody talk to us and get out of us something we've repressed deep inside. So we're spending money on this counselor to tell us about our innards. And, you know, THC is the most, you know, inward directive molecule you'll ever put in your body. If you smoke THC or you get THC through eating it, you're eating cannabis it is going to introduce you to yourself it is going to make you be very introspective how's that is that a less kooky word no and both that's the same I, you know very much it's a very introspective molecule so hello me meet the real me hello me meet the real me and my misfits way of life a dark black past is my most valued possession Hindsight is always 2020. Looking back, it's still a bit fuzzy. Speak of mutually assured destruction. Nice story. Right, and sometimes, you know, people don't like getting really high and stuff like that because they're left with just that aspect of themselves that they really need to look at and they don't want to. You think that's where, where it all lies? Where does any anxiety come from? Yes, but where people people that don't like cannabis that get lost in that non control, mm-hmm. white widow, correct? Yeah, yeah. Finish Thanks, what Dave. You're saying, though. But people that get lost in control that want that control uh-huh. shy away from cannabis because it does make you question maybe well a lot of things. Yeah. Just just from um, why you're even sitting here talking to someone or. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I'm I'm right with you. I think every psychedelic that you'll that that anybody could ever do is definitely not. Let me rephrase that. I shouldn't say any psychedelic because there's really powerful ones, you know, that that are absolutely not addictive. You know, what what I think is habit forming and slightly addictive about cannabis is, I guess, just all the other molecules in there. You got CBDs. You mix those in there, it becomes very relaxing and euphoric and happy. It's not as it's not as serious and sinister as when you just got a whole bunch of THC and it's like making you grit your teeth. Oh, the diesel you know. side, huh? Right. You know, and I think about, you know, stuff like LSD and mushrooms and things like that. People don't crave that shit and go around looking for it the day after. No. <laughs> they want to like take a break for a year or two, you know, digest <laughs> what just happened to them, you know. And that's okay. A lot of people get relief. Uh, on that level, I think it should. It, it's all kind of okay, but yeah. So that's what. The, what do you feel about the the legalization of mushrooms coming into like Washington and Colorado? You know, I think it's great, but I think they're not. They're not really um, advertising it honestly. Like nothing's ever advertised honestly on TV radio every it's all capitalism people are trying to make a buck off of it somehow and they're you know i think if they do legalize it what they should do is they they should be careful to let people know it's not terrence fucking mckenna style take a handful of mushrooms three and a half to five grams dried in a dark room by yourself because nobody wants to be left out so anybody who's ever taken anything 
thinks they've had the psychedelic experience and feels fully qualified to hold an opinion on it when in fact it's pretty elusive the real thing uh you have to take a heroic dose under the right conditions to really smash through i mean yes there are all kinds of approaches to it insight into childhood trauma recovery of lost memories opening to your emotional side uh insights into the dynamics of the life and people around all of it but that is not anywhere near the bullseye that's just dancing around the rim of it so you ha- we have to as a community try and build consensus about what happens at the at the real center what's happening at the center of the mandala what kind of a modality can we describe and create a shared map of that we can come back to the rest of the folks and talk about you know you don't want to fucking recommend that to people because you'll have a bunch of people freaking out and some people might hurt themselves but man have you heard about this shit called low dosing where you take a half a gram a quarter of a gram just enough where you can maybe not I've even heard feel it, it. But i've always i felt like i've paid admission yeah at this point Mm-hmm. Like I've broken through to the other side. Sure, no I've done high what, doses, but now what dose I get now? I now feel like I'm still doses. going in there. Yeah, is there a difference? I believe there is. I tried a half a gram a couple of summers ago, just a half a gram of mushrooms, and I felt it kick. And then that was it. It was just a really nice. I was super alert, super aware, hyper focused, and I thought, man, if I took half that much in the morning instead of coffee, right? Oh you can scale it way down to where you're just a little, and it's and they say it's helping people break away from depression. Yes. Right? but it's the micro dosing. It's these small dosings that they're talking about. So when they're talking about legalizing mushrooms in Oregon, Oregon, I think that's what they're aiming for with their regulations. Probably. I hope there's medicine men guiding yeah. people. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, and they're doing that all over the place. Because most of the too. time, when when you when I found mushrooms, it wasn't just being able to go buy it. I had to search it out. There was an adventure involved. When we got it, the person that gave it to us gave us certain warnings. What might happen? They were normally with us Mm -hmm. during it. I I fear legalization of mushrooms in some way. I think, I don't know, maybe because I couldn't handle it. That's one of the things that I get to the place where I feel like I'm pretty open-minded, but why can't other people get there too? Through mushrooms. And I, I don't know. I fear that big people won't be guided correctly. Right. And that's the, I think that's the problem that we run into when we prohibit anything. You know, when we allow government to prohibit a substance, then it, it immediately creates that underground cartel, right? Right. You immediately create some... Shadows. Right. You, you, well, you got to have an underground because there's people that are still going to want it. And, and so you, you have to have a force that goes after them and all this. We've seen this with cannabis. You know, it was a great moneymaker. But okay... Now the people are wising up, and in order to keep the people from overthrowing you and taking your heads, you have to give them back cannabis. But they're trying to not, or and they're trying to do the same thing with these other psychedelics. It's like, okay, let's not make them illegal anymore, but we don't want the people to fucking hurt themselves. We don't want to create a situation where now we have the National Guard, you know, got to fly into Oregon because half the population is high on mushrooms or something happened, you know, and and so they got to regulate. 
And they love that too because, you know, once you start regulating and writing laws and regulations, then there's going to be people that are going to fuck up and then you're going to be able to collect fines. And it all becomes a big racketeering scheme called sell them back their rights that we should have never taken away from them to begin with because now you cause that, that problem, you know, like don't let your kid have any sugar for the first 10 years of its life and then set it loose in the world. And that kid is going to have problems, isn't it? And I'd love to. I'd love to say, "Hey, man, a generation's coming where they weren't. They're not going to eat sugar, right?" But mm. I don't see it. It's been around a long time. Yeah, and it was the an invention. Commodity. I mean, processed sugar's a dang invention, just like bare aspirin and everything else. It's all. What do you know about the sugar? Tell me. Ooh, it's do- I lived in Florida for a long time. Me and a lot of my friends fought against Dixie Crystal. Dixie Crystal owns. Lake Okeechobee, pretty much by proxy, because the land right below Lake Okeechobee is all is that sugar. Disney World? No, it's all it's Okeechobee. below o- below Disney World is Lake Okeechobee. It's the huge lake, the okay. eyeball in the middle That's of the state of Florida. Yeah, so below that, there's all this land where they farm sugar, and you've done and they've done it for over a hundred years, and all them. Um, nutrition that they give to that land because the sugar's stripping it all the stuff that you d- don't want to dump into the water gets done all the nitrogen and junk like that it builds up in the lake and they can't let it go down the Port St. Lucie River or they can't let it go down the Caloosahatchee River so they built a dam for us okay and they're like we'll never open this dam and pollute your rivers because we know we fucked up Lake Okeechobee really bad but then it started to overflow and leak out, and we got these things called red tides in Florida. And it's an algae bloom that kills all the fish, and it stinks really bad. Well, the last time it happened, this last year, it was phenomenally bad. And it's just because they're opening it now, because they've got to release all that toxin out of Lake Okeechobee. There was a deal we were trying to get them to make back in the 80s, and we were youngsters, but there was an older group of us that were taking on the big thing, going to politicians and asking them to help. And they got this thing written where Dixie Crystal had to, they were going to sell a piece of land down there. And we were going to flood that land and clean all the water. And it wasn't a very big piece of land. We are going to take all the water out of Lake Okeechobee into this spot, clean it, and send it south into the Everglades where it was supposed to go anyway. And into the water table of Miami so that they would have fresh drinking water, right? They all agreed. And then they changed their mind. Mm-hmm. So there was Or no- never wanted to in the first place, just... Well, they, I think they would have gone for it, but I think what happened was there was a dark history of sugar cane. It's not like cotton. When they sent slaves out to pick cotton, you had a little fucking bag that you put the cotton in in your fingers. But when people were coming up from Jamaica and Haiti and trying to get into America and they went to work in those sugar cane fields, they didn't go to work with a bag. They went to work with a fucking machete. Can you see the problems that might cause with a 12-year-old with a machete? Oops, there goes my foot. Sorry, he bled out in the field. Leave him there. Mm-hmm. So I heard this one guy went as a, as a reporter-type guy, and he went and he talked to a lot of people in the area, and they said, yeah, they probably don't want to flood it because they're afraid of the bones and the skulls that will float up from that dark past of, like, people used to come here to get free, and they'd end up slaves in this sugar plantation situation and go out in the field and whoops gone that's it disappeared yeah there's no medevac back then we're talking 100 200 you know 150 years ago no you're not gonna you're not gonna spend money to take care oh of no no you're not gonna report it either mm-hmm. you know and those people just disappeared so and then you know there's a lot of you know that could be bs too well, it's just big business right it's money it is. wherever money big money is going to be made the it people is. are going to die to cover up 
what's happening to make big money. But it's a huge message over and over again. And everybody that's, that cares about anything is screaming it. We got to be careful. They're taking our rivers now. And, and it seems like they are. Seems like some entity that that really wants to take control has to take control of fresh water. You know, let's Monsanto it. Let's take control of food. Let's take control of energy. Let's be big oil. Now let's take control of water. And you know, who knows? I'm not a conspiracy theorist, but it seems to, progression. It seems to me like more and more rivers are getting destroyed. And that Caloosahatchee River, man, I used to float down that thing. It was beautiful. It's destroyed, man. Mm. Hi, my name is Tina Smith. I'm with AK Canada Ed, and we are coming to Fairbanks to bring you the Marijuana Handlers Permit Course. We're doing that on July 3rd at the Pioneer Park in the Blue Room. So if you want to get involved in that, go ahead and head over to the AK Canada Ed Facebook and hit that ticket, hit that ticket. You know what I'm talking about. <laughs> hit that ticket link and it will take you directly to where you can pre-register to join us on the 3rd of July at the Pioneer Park Blue Room. 10.30. Where did cannabis come in for Dave Snyderman? For Dave Snyderman? Well... It was probably my dad. Oh, nice. In the in the family. So in an indirect way. Dad, you, know. you, your son, happy Father's Day. Well, me and my dad never smoked together. We, you know, we never he hid it from me. I would smell it, he would smoke with my sisters sometimes. Were they older? They were just... older, yeah. And it was just a generational thing, I think. And but you know, he I don't know, me and him never really were close like that. And I, and I fixed that with me and my boy. I mean, and I, I'm a lot happier with the relationship we have. I think he's a, a happier, stabler kid. He's further along than I was, you know, emotionally. You know what I'm saying? Feels good, doesn't it? Yeah, it really does. He's got, a, he's got a good edge up probably on life. For me and cannabis, it was, a, it was a, a situation where I'd moved to Florida. I'd been there for a couple of months and finished the school year out. I was in, I guess it was the end of fifth grade. A buddy of mine came over. Where'd you move from? <clears throat> Northeast somewhere? Uh, yeah, New Jersey. So New Jersey to Southwest Florida, Cape Coral. It was a desert in 1979, man. When I moved in and I looked around, there was nothing but canals. No houses. I was the only house on 19th Street <laughs> off of Country Club Boulevard. That was it. And, that, and, and within two or three years, there was just houses everywhere. What took you down there? Just My dad retired down there. And you found a good place? Yeah, country he, club he, got, he just kind of got too sick to deal with the winters up in New Jersey. You know, it was hard, and he had diabetes, and he had a lot of things wrong with him, arthritis and stuff like that, and he used cannabis every day, but he had to hide it, you know, because... Going out to the... Did you guys have property or then an apartment or how... Yeah, he just... He had a... We had a house, and he would go in the bathroom and think he was hiding it. Oh, wow. You know, I got into his stash a lot of times, you know, that's where I kind of... But not until the first, not until after the first time. This guy. So um, fifth grade, you go to Florida. Yeah. So and I and I'm, yeah, because sixth grade was middle school. It was the next year, and it was that beginning of that summer. So it was kind of probably around this time of year and everything. And me and my buddy Doug, we get down to the the canal, and he's got a J that he gotten from his brother. I was smoking it wrong, you know. Well, I, you had no fear about going in for the first time. 
No, in fact, I'd convinced him I'd, I'd done it before, you know, so I was cool enough for him to smoke with me, you know, because he'd obviously smoked sure. this, this stuff before, and he was still alive, his wife thing, you know. And so we start token on this, and, uh, and we finished it. Boy, by the time I got up and walked halfway out from the canal, we walked from the bank of the canal to halfway up in the field, and then there's these roads that were all made of shells and tar back then, you know, because they were using everything they had to make the roads. I was in another place, man. I felt totally, totally different. I lost um, any anxiety or inhibitions about who I was in a lot of ways. I felt good. And it lasted. And then it wore off. And when it lasted for an hour or two and wore off, and I was able to walk back through the door of my house and be like, hey, man, I'm cool. I like that. You have all those memories at that moment. Yeah. Yeah. Having a... Fabulous first time. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, thinking no one's ever going to find out. I, I tell you what, man. The first thing I said to him was, you know, when I was when I was feeling it, I turned to my buddy. I'm like, "Why the fuck is this illegal?" And I think that's a lot of people's first at ten years old, eleven years old. Yeah, if you know, I was like, "Why are we hiding this? Why is this illegal? This feels fantastic." It was all through my body. My hands loved things they were touching. I was seeing light fall on plants and come from different that I'd never noticed before you know first time yeah it was really nice but you know I think if you're if you're not careful and you start using cannabis too young okay I can tell you I I didn't have an easy time a lot of times I had trouble because it was such a fucking crutch I you know it's like if you don't gotta deal with shit if you can just go smoke a joint about it then you're not gonna fucking deal with shit you're gonna have the same baby cry baby bullshit fucking infantile problems at 25 that you had when you were fucking 16 and people are gonna go man you need to quit smoking so much weed and they're gonna be right (laughs) so you know you can do anything too much but you know at this age now I'm 51 I smoke every day I smoke several times a day. And it's very soothing, and I don't feel like I'm abusing it. And I tell you, I don't smoke it as much as I used to. I eat it more often. I choose a vaporizer because you know it's going to come a time where I'm going to have to stop smoking altogether. Because you, you know, at what point do your lungs just say, "Hey, man, stop putting smoke in me"? So you just sit back and you. Talk on that, and I'll sing you a song called Gospel. This is, I've got these two songs, and I'm, you know, trotting out a lot this summer because I think the theme is appropriate. <clears throat> and you can even reload it. There's another pile of that White Widow right there. Like Thanks, put, music, Dave. <laughs> putting that up. Down and dirty, here's the good news. Foley's got just whatever way you choose. Sit back, relax, now kick off your shoes. Cause this is holy ground and we got nothing to lose. Yeah, we've been playing this game for an eternity. It's time we took responsibility and remembered our divinity and shine. Black, white, yellow, and red, yeah, come on now. It's only in our heads. Up, down, left, and right. No one should have to die to enjoy a good fight. It ain't about being bad or good. It's about getting life to work the way we know that it could. If we just listen to our hearts and shine. 
Oh, somebody told me that somebody told them that somebody told someone else way back when that something was the truth and the rest was just a lie. We should never even question why. Eight billion four hundred million and sixty-two. Different voices making eight billion four hundred million and sixty-two different choices. Hey, but no one would die of hunger, and we'd all live free if for just one day we could all agree to go within and make that choice to shine. Now this is gospel, so take it up. is fair and freedom is free and right now we're all deciding what we're going to be yeah. it ain't about being right or wrong it's about us all being here or us all being gone it's about us learning how to get along and shine yeah but somebody told you that you better tell me that there's only one way and I'll never be free that a few years back. Yeah, let's load that up again. Hello. Aurora Apothecary CBD Superstore located in downtown Fairbanks. Aurora Apothecary CBD Superstore located downtown Fairbanks provides families, people, and pets with a wide variety of products from Mother Nature. We carry brands like Renew, Green Roads, Creating Better Days, CBD Plus Oil, and Select. Aurora Apothecary, 2nd Avenue Fairbanks, Monday through Saturday, 11 a.m. to 7 p.m. 456 Hemp, that's 456-4367. Aurora Apothecary, your CBD Superstore for pets and people. Have a wonderful day. It's a lot of messy two-handed playing with me because, you know, I tried to play with other people before. You know, there's this either, um, you know, the chemistry isn't there. I, I'm way below them in experience. They're way above me, so I can't catch up or figure out how to play with... Or they just have no experience and I'm doing the same thing to them. Like, come on, play along. And then, so it's always been this mismatch thing that where it's like I just throw my hands in the air. I didn't even bring my harmonica rack. I usually bring that because that replaced the lead guitarist that I could never get along with. It's like he never wanted to show up for practice. He knew everything already. He just wanted to be there for the gigs and get paid. And I was like, that's bullshit because he was always the one that was making mistakes and being out of time and shit like that. So... I just started um, tooting around on a harmonica to remind myself where his parts were. And I was like, well, fuck him. I'll just do his parts with the harmonica. And so. Were you Music Dave before that? No, I didn't become Music Dave until I stopped drinking. 
it's a weird thing. It's not, you know, I went to this special anonymous group for a while and uh, I was kind of fucked up. You know, you got to be a fucked up person to drink alcoholically. There's nothing wrong with alcohol. It's a good substance. You pour it on stuff, it cleans it up. You can, you know, most people can have a glass of wine or beer and they're okay. They start feeling a little bit out of control, right? And they're like, whoa, I'm going to stop. The alcoholic like me had issues way before he picked up that glass of alcohol. And when he started to feel out of control, he's like, now I'm in control. Now this is where I begin. Give me another, please. Give me this. I've got control of everything. Give me more and more and more alcohol. It's just a weird sense of When I started going to this group and hanging out with them and getting over it I clutched to the guitar you know because it was like the only th real thing I had left as far as material item and it had taken on an entity we'd been a lot of places together you know we'd been from here to Germany to Florida to back here together same guitar same guitar bought it in 2002 turn of the century and that's the only guitar you've ever owned? No, I had a Fender before that that I gave to my daughter that she gave to my son that I've got back at the house now because my son doesn't have room for it at the minute but It'll probably go to my granddaughter, an inspiration. Yeah, she's a she's a real awesome. Yeah, guy. musicians handing down instruments like hunters handing down their rifles, huh? Yeah, so I would carry that thing into meetings with me all the time, and there was this old old timer there that everybody <clears throat> respected, and and, they, and his name was Dave too. And at this particular place, you introduced yourself. You said, "Hi, my name is Dave, and I'm an alcoholic or whatever." And so, not to confuse the Daves certain prestigious Daves would get of other Daves nicknames and I became Music Dave. And at the time in this meeting hall, at the time when I this is eleven years ago since I've had a drink, when I got when I when I sobered up there, they used to smoke cigarettes and I used to go around and collect the ashtrays at the end and clean them all up trying to be of service and not think about a fucking drink. It's a tough fucking trip, you know. Complete abstinence is, is a tough way to go for anything. I don't recommend it. There's a lot yes, of especially to something you liked. Yeah. If there's any other way you can get over alcohol, definitely try it first because the complete abstinence route is a bitch. It's a tough right. one. But you know, once it sticks, I think the way the what it does is it's designed to fucking push you into a spiritual experience. So you'll have something spiritual happen to you and you can grasp onto that and give up the, the substance that's killing you spiritually. You know, most people are smart enough to put down cigarettes and things when they cough too much or when the doctor tells them to stop eating this food because it's going to kill you. But for some reason, alcohol say, hey, you got that problem, man. Keep drinking. Did you have, can did you have cannabis then? Yeah, but I never had enough cannabis. If um, I had always, if I had a joint every time I wanted to go get drunk, if if I had a, a situation where somebody would have been able to say to me, "Hey man, why don't you not drink tonight and just smoke all this weed that I've got, you know, this pile or whatever, just never feel like you're you're gonna," I'd have been all right probably. That rationing feeling too. Yeah, you know. So it's like I tell you what I used to do is I used to carry a little bit of weed to me with with me to the bar, and because uh, I could go into the bar and with maybe 10 bucks enough to get a first drink and then wait for the jukebox to stop play a few songs maybe get a drink token or you know something like that but i would go out back and smoke a bowl so that i wouldn't drink too much too fast now i learned to play some lead guitar i was on a rage in this funky bar i stepped outside to smoke myself a J. Everybody just seemed to move And I turned my amp up loud I began to play You know, it, 
It tried to save me, but it, it really couldn't. Cannabis is not the answer to stopping drinking, dude. The answer to stopping drinking is to get to the root of the reason you drink that way. Find your spiritual problem and overcome it with something spiritual. Something bigger than you, because you're causing the problem most of the time. That's the big eye-openers. For me, it was like, oh, fuck, I cause all my problems. Mm-hmm. It's the way I look at shit. It's the way I, it's the way I respond to people. It's, it's what my motives are when I get into relationships. I cause my own fucking problems. And then I turn it around and blame it on other people. And I used to drink about it, but now I don't. Now you use cannabis. <laughs> no, I don't have those fucking problems, but cannabis. But, but it is allows nice. you. It, it's a. It holds your hand more instead of pushing you what, now, forward. Now I can enjoy cannabis for probably what it was intended to do for people at my age. It was probably intended to, to help reduce inflammation that naturally happens with aging. It was probably helped to reduce some of the stress and some of the um, just the stuff that we deal with because we. If you've survived this long, you've been through some trauma. I don't yeah. care what anybody says. If you reach the age of forty or fifty. You've experienced trauma. I don't care how sheltered your fucking life was, how good it was, how happy you are right now. It it wouldn't be a bad idea if just for your health's sake, once in a while, you smoked a fucking joint. And it's all relative. Yeah. The worst trauma. To quote quote, uh, Frank Turney, just smoke a fucking bowl, man. Smoke a bowl. That's, yeah. God, I can't believe I just said Frank Turney's name. No, it's Edit, edit, edit. No, no. (laughs) Just kidding. You leave it in there. Oh, I am. He's a cool old guy, isn't he? Is should we elect a mayor? Yes. Are you serious? You think we should? Yeah, just to cause problems. Well, you know what? You know what the mayor? You know what, you know what the mayor's job is. You know what the mayor is? Yeah, run the meeting. He owns the roads. The mayor is also who the police Fine, chief, take care of the roads. The police chief answers to the mayor. You know why? He would do well in that job. Because the police chief answers to the mayor because the, if the mayor owns the roads, then he's got to make revenue to take care of the roads. So he needs a force to go out there and police the roads and collect revenue for the roads. Do you think his Frank's going to be good at that? Yeah, that's what have been one of his major things. I think Frank's problems. going to be too nice and our roads are going to go to shit. We should find another mayor. And, and we should, elect, we should put Frank on that fucking marijuana board that... And let him have a voice there on that um, marijuana control board. You think? Yeah. He definitely taught. He's been a long time activist. Right. I think uh, you, you know my opinion on the whole Vivian Stiver. I think we should have let her on there too, though. Yeah, I think you posted about that. Yeah. I. Uh, I began, I... Because we're going to have those troubles. It's just she would have brought them to the surface so that we could have beat them in a year rather than over the years we're faced with these problems that now we got to deal with. She's just bringing up stuff that she she knows we're going to deal with. And and if, and if if it's nothing, if it's all phantoms and ghosts and she's afraid of nothing, it gives us an opportunity to help. And educate. Educate her and get that whole... Man, and she would carry that into schools and churches where is where you need the most education about this plan. It would have been a new battle. And I think we could have come out on top for the yeah. better of cannabis. And, and, but we'll face it sooner or later. You can't avoid the Vivian Stivers. You can't avoid the devil's advocate. You can't turn your head from it. Do you, you think don't. the Woolworths be around? 
I think I think it'll always be around. Be, well, not not always. I think it's going to be around a long time because they were very careful for many years to ingrain it into the popular opinion that cannabis is some kind of really dangerous substance, that it's some kind of gateway drug. Or the lazy factor. And I'll tell you what, it, 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 it was a gateway drug um, to me back in the 80s when crack and cocaine and stuff were really popular in Florida because it wasn't legal and you had to go to the same fucking places to get weed as you had to go to get that other shit. And sometimes they were out of weed. And it's like, well, man, you want to rock instead for 10? You know, and it's like, so in a way, that was a gateway drug from hell. But I'll tell you what, when you open a dispensary in a town and you make cannabis available um, uh, on a level like that, where you've got, we've got, what, five, six, seven, eight dispensaries? And yeah, dude, more than there, that, it yeah. is no longer a gateway drug. I'll tell yeah. you what the big gateway drugs still are and remain to be. Tobacco, man! I found a cigarette butt super easy. They're laying around on the ground. I smoked one, and as a kid, man, first thing I ever did was smoke a cigarette, and the next thing I ever did was took a sip of my fucking mom's drink or my dad's beer. You know, you think it'll change then with more access now that people are leaving cannabis out more because it becomes more, or do you think they'll be um, the same, hiding it, pulling it back from kids? I think it's I think it's just a good idea to be responsible with whatever you're using as an adult. Okay. And that was a different time then too. Yeah. They just But still alcohol. today I think alcohol and tobacco are bigger gateway drugs than cannabis is now that cannabis is legal because you don't have to go to the Netherlands of scum and drug addiction to get a cigarette or a bottle of booze, right? But you can find them on people's countertops if they're not watching out for their kids. So it's it's never going to be the industry's problem. It's always going to be parents. Well, how are you raising your kids? You want to hear some fucked up, man. I got these big red signs on my road. I'm not even going to say the name of my road because I don't want to embarrass this person. But they put these signs up and it says... Drive like your children live on this road. And now, granted, this is a little road off of a office, off a farmer's loop, and, and and people shouldn't be going more than 35 the posted speed limit. But man, I'll tell you, even delivery drivers come down that road at 50 miles per hour. Okay, so I can see maybe they got a gripe about fast cars. I would have appreciated a sign that said, "Hey, slow down," you know. Speed limit's only 35, right? But they say, drive like your kids live on this road. Now, I've raised two kids, okay? And my kids heard things when they were growing up like, get the fuck out of the road. You're going to get hit by a car. You're going to end up dead. Stay out of the road, okay? So me and my girlfriend, yeah, me and my girlfriend were laughing and we're making up these uh, signs, you know, in our heads and sharing. I was like, yeah, drive like, no, that's, that's me. I don't want to go there. But the whole point is, is, I don't have to drive any differently. They should actually be teaching their kids to stay out of the road, right? But Both. that that doesn't occur in the year, what is it, 2019? Like no. it did in the year, you know, 1980-something. 80s and 90s was when I was raising kids. Well, I'm still raising them. Shit, what am I talking about? They're just grown, you know, which presents a whole different side that said you know, right, helping them with their house and car and uh, just setting an example. Relationships and dude, you know what I've been doing most with my son is just being being a good example instead of a bad example. Because I was you a talk horrible example for a long time and he picked up all those bad habits, you know, and so I don't like seeing that in him, so I try 
behaving in a different way, right? And he picks up on that just like he, he does the bad habits. So don't ever think your kids, you know, are going to pick up the bad quicker than the good. It's just as easy. And if they see somebody they like doing it, they emulate it. And, and we got a good relationship. Me and my boy like each other now. We didn't used to. Fire and water. He's an Aries. I'm a Scorpio, you know. But, you know, it's still a... Yeah, and he's a great cultivator. He's a hard worker. It's good to see your kid do well. Yeah. Chena Cannon, North Pole Cannabis Dispensary, 1725 Richardson Highway between North Pole and Fairbanks, right before the Badger Road exit. You're going to love this place. Convenient access right off the highway as you're hitting the lakes in the summer or a Valkyrie's trip on the way out of town. Stock up on those special in-house strains. Taffy, sourdough, fruity pebbles, boost banner, green crack. Always a $5 pre-roll and special and $10 grams. Concentrates, buy good cannabis, good titrations, edibles, AK Frost, good cannabis gummies. Head on over to China Cannabis. Check out the full menu on leafly.com. Open Monday through Friday, 10 a.m., 9 p.m., Sunday, noon to six. You don't have to drive all the way to Fairbanks for your cannabis needs. Save your time. Get your quality cannabis at China Cannabis, your North Pole cannabis dispensary. China Cannabis. Marijuana has intoxicating effects and may be habit-forming and addictive. Marijuana impairs concentration, coordination, and judgment. Do not operate a vehicle or machinery under its influence. There are health risks associated with the consumption of marijuana. For use only by adults 21 and older, keep out of the reach of children. Marijuana should not be used by women who are pregnant or breastfeeding. Sorry, man, if I've been driving this conversation too no, much, you got point. any more questions, any mysteries you want to unveil about Music Dave? Yes. But one thing what I... What was the did, question you thought of downstairs that you said you were going to what say? Is your, uh, what is your opening song? Uh, when you do the... Let's let's put a plug in for you. You play at Pioneer Park right uh-huh. under the gazebo. Yeah, and it's called Gazebo Nights. They, they make it available free to the public, but they do pay me, so that's nice. Not that you can't tip me if you don't want to, but that happens every Saturday um, in June. We've got two more of them. So there's five in June, and it starts at 7, ends at 8, and then Sundays in July, 7 to 8. So I'll be there in July, too. And I've, uh, yeah, I've got a partner this year. In previous years, it was just me and my guitar and a harmonica, but I actually do got a, a percussionist, my, my sweetheart, Stacy. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. And uh, does she bring another, um, does she bring other musical influences to what you used to play, or is it just still your music? No, it's just, it's absolutely still my music, and she's just kind of back there. She knows nothing about percussion she's just like we had a couple of congos and bongos sitting around and one night you know we we burnt one down and i started playing on a song she started rat-a-tat-tat and then she stopped and i'm like no no keep doing that that's really cool it's easier for me to stay in time because you know if you listen to me play just by myself and my guitar and you really listen you'll you'll see my tempo can kind of go like this up and down uh, i i you know that's how i am that's what's that's what's fun about playing with yourself. <laughs> Say it again. Edit, edit, edit. That's, That's what's, what's fun, fun about, about playing, playing alone. <laughs> playing with yourself. Yeah. That I prefer to be alone. You control it. the speed. If you mess up, it becomes part of of what the song right. is. And but there was already. Slower. Yeah, you're right. So there is some chemistry that she brings. She's not a, a force. keeps you keeps yeah. you like on a line. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, she's the backbeat to the music now. She actually, she is. I'll start the songs and then she starts driving the rhythm, 
you know, and um, yeah. So what's the what are you open with? Um, it depends on you know who's sitting in front of me. It That's really it, does. really. Well, yeah, because I have. You don't my, know what you're going to play the, when you walk up there? Well, no. I got a list, though. I mean, I keep it in my wallet because it's my money. And I just throw that down on the table, and, and then I pick from that if I get stumped. But usually I'll be looking around and seeing who's sitting down in front of me, getting ready to listen, and I'll come up with something that I think they might appreciate. Like, Stacy's like, she's like, well, I sure want to hear this podcast. And I'm like, well, you're just going to have to listen to, you know, the Far North Tokers and, and catch it when it comes on. So, you know, even though I opened with Gospel, which is a, here, which is a really cool song that she enjoys a lot. Any one of those might. <clears throat> you see anything? Uh, these are mostly mine, but there's a few, like a Beatles song in there, Let It Be, and some John Prine in there, and Ripple, you got the Grateful Dead. But Yeah, throw out some Ripple. Yeah, that's a good song, huh? Mm-hmm. If my heart did go. With gold sunshine And my tunes were played On a harp unstrung Would you hear my voice Coming through the music Would you hold it near As if it were your own It's a Thoughts are broken And perhaps They're better Left unsung I don't know Don't really care Let there be songs To fill the air Ripple in Still water when there is no pebble toss, no wind to blow. Reach out your hand if your cup be empty, if your cup be full, may it be again. Let it be known. There is a fountain that that was not made by the hands of men. There's a road, no simple highway between the dawn and the dark of every night. You should go. Take you home. 
Did you ever follow the dad or anything crazy like no, that? No, I, I have a sad story with the dad. <laughs> I, I got into dead when I moved to Vegas. Oh yeah. Yeah, I. It's in my um, actually last week's podcast was my last night in Vegas. I talked about, <laughs> and that I met a stand-up comic from Boston who was into the dead, and right. he introduced me that he chased the dead around. They came through Vegas, right? And it was I had never experienced the circus. Yeah, that is the tour of the dead coming through. I makes me want to smoke some weed. Had twenty bucks, I think. We all had twenty bucks each, and we were going to find tickets at the concert. Right on. And it was my first experience in the parking lot as well. (laughs) (laughs) Right, like why go in? (laughs) That's what I decided. Unfortunately. At that time, <laughs> no kidding. yeah, right. At the time, it was a great decision because I'm thinking I'll get, I was planning to see the dead in Boston uh-huh. a couple months later. Right. Jerry died before that. Did not get to see him ever. <laughs> but wow. Dave Matthews Band opened for them. Never didn't even know who Dave Matthews Band was. Time they opened for him. So I'm sitting out in the Damn. desert. All right. Uh, I traded my twenty bucks for acid and pot that day. Yeah. Hung out in the desert and listened to him out. We could still hear the show. Yeah. We just weren't in the show. Yeah. So I missed... My friend decided that he was just going to... He paid the ticket and he knew mm. that he could find everything else he needed once he got in there. Oh, yeah. I had not been in there before. Oh, yeah. And yeah was, you just walk around. People throw acid in your, in your face and stuff. Down your throat. Yes. You want a sip of this water? Oh, by the way, LSD. Have fun. Thanks. Yeah. I, I probably I don't know. know I've never I've never popular. been dosed like that, thank goodness, and I and I've never thought that was a fun thing to do to anybody. Then I had one time where friends picked me up and they one of the strawberry wafers, you know the strawberry mm-hmm. cream inside and I'm walking along the road, they pull up beside me, the door opens, they say get in, I get in, they hand me one of those strawberry wafers and they turn around and they take a bottle uh-huh. and go drop, drop, drop. And they said, eat. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Well, it's like I was saying earlier, adventures. They, yeah. It always starts in an adventure. It's an adventure. And we had ourselves a good time that evening. Uh, I yes. did too many mushrooms one time. Yes. I, it wasn't a good evening. Well, it was a good well you, you mentioned the Terrence McKenna. You've, you've done the heroic trip yeah. there. Uh, well, I've, no, I don't know, man. Here's, here's, I, didn't, I didn't hear about Terrence McKenna for years and years after I tried mushrooms I was a teenager we used to in southwest Florida we used to run through cow fields barefoot half naked um, and looking for piles of shit with the right color mushroom growing out of it and we'd pack we'd pick like a trash bag full of like a hefty bag and we'd go back and we'd put them all in a big pot and boil them down right and then we'd take Make that moon tea and we took that juice and we dumped it into juice? some it yeah dumped it into some Welch's grape drink right and then we drank until that was gone. The four of us, including my girlfriend at the time. So no idea how we... No, how but I took to big take. swigs. I didn't take little sips, you know. And uh, so, 
but it was, you know, it was an experience. A lot of it was was funny and happy and trippy. And then, you know, you started seeing trails and the colors and then the paneling would crawl and then you could see through walls and then faces started to look really different and you just wanted to be alone. <laughs> I don't know. Yes, I... Uh... But it's not like, you know, anything would ever... I've, I've done really heavy doses of LSD to like double what I guess heavy dose would be twice what everybody else did in the room you know I had this one friend when I that hated me when I, we were growing up and oh, my one he friend like, hated me he just yeah he's like hey, we're all doing acid tonight here you're taking two tabs it's called dinosaur you know or whatever and uh cause he was trying to fix me I think he really did hate me he just I had issues man I was a very selfish messed up person as a young young guy I and that leads to alcohol and then yeah, then later the alcohol was just, yeah, turned me into a total, yeah. I needed recovery. I needed to stop drinking. So uh, it's a good thing I did. And it wasn't a long stint. It was only probably about a 10-year, you know, time of blah, 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 blah. But yeah, man, we did, I did a whole bunch of acid with them that night. And we were all kind of seeing stuff. But I think this is a common misconception about acid. Nothing appears... You know what I'm saying? Things just kind of change or look different. Yes. You know, they, they kind of—you'll see things more. No, they, In right. fact, you'll be staring at something, and I guess it's something about my peripherals when I'm doing heavy hallucinogenics. It's like the whole setting around me changes, and I'm no longer just in that room. I'm in a room, but there's trees and there's this different light. You know, that can, you can get that feeling. It's almost a more of a feeling than a visual. Yes. Well, yeah. I've disappeared from third dimension before, not been anywhere other than maybe the holodeck, if you want to call it that. Yeah. Just standing in nothingness. Oh, yeah. Well, I think the, the simple answer to how do you do it without trivializing it is that you do doses that scare you. You know, I mean, these things are not uh, physically dangerous, uh, and and the and yet the, they are terrifying at what are pharmacologically completely harmless doses. I mean, the LD50 for psilocybin is uh, hundreds of milligrams per kilogram, and yet if you take anywhere above. 25 milligrams of psilocybin, I think this, the, the strongest wayfaring soul reaches for the brake pedal somewhere in there. Uh, it, it's amazing how we just skim the surface of this. I mean, those and, and we can't go very deep because language fails. I mean, most of you who have done committed doses know that you go into a realm where it gets weirder and weirder and weirder, and then finally the very machinery of explaining to the observer what is happening begins to melt. And, and then you are there with it for a while. And then you descend out of that and the language mechanism reactivates and says, you know, we are now leaving the utterly unspeakable behind. And uh, uh. Now I tell you what, I've had more good experiences with nothingness and disappearingness and getting away from my body without 
LSD, but more with meditation, sitting still. Um, Just listening to yourself. Do things with your diet. And tell you what, man, if, it, if I could recommend a new drug, try starvation. Oh, man. I mean, it's not a new drug. It's, a, it's an old thing. But it's, and it's not really starvation. It's called fasting. I guess because I live with this girl and my girlfriend's like tomorrow I'm going on this liquid diet you know it's it's called the the cleanse and it's it's lemon juice water maple syrup and you drink like as much of that as you want during the day but there's no food or nothing no water no food you just drink that and um, good meditative times and it also resets a lot of things in your body for you. You'll feel better. I think a lot of times what we're trying to do when we drink and when we smoke and stuff like that, we're trying to feel better, you know, either mentally or physically. And there's something about not eating for more than 24 hours, 12, 24 hours, that you just start to feel better. You're lighter. It's like the toxins have kind of or leaving your body, which is exactly what's happening in, in, in all that jive. But yeah, so I guess I'm doing it too, is what I'm saying. Because there's no way you, you you live with a person. And, no, try out what they're doing, might as well. Well, I did it with their last time, and it wasn't so bad. But it's like, I couldn't imagine, you know, we got a really neat relationship. And a lot of it revolves around meals and time spent there. It's like, it would just be too weird for me to be bowing down and watching her drink lemon juice, mm -hmm. you know. So I'm in for that again. We're only going to do it for five days. We did it for six or seven days last time. Um, not like I needed to lose weight, but I was still losing weight like two or three weeks after we stopped. You know, and your body's metabolism changes completely. And, yeah. You have a story of working in California, don't you? And with uh, military. Um, well, I'd been to, I, the only time I was in California with the military is we flew down from here in some, I used to work on Black Hawk helicopters. And so I was like a toolbox that they took along, you know, in case the thing broke. So awesome. I got to fly, we got to self-deploy down there. So we flew over a lot of, stopped in um, Canada, prostitution's legal in Canada. Anyway, um, uh, I love Canada. And then we got to California and all that we did down there in California is fly, flew the sheriff's department around and helped them find weed. Mm. We found 32,000 plants that year. I'm like, wait, look, look at that tarp. What's that white conduit doing on the mountainside? I was like, I didn't even realize this. Was, were you pointing it out? Were you a lot agent? of us were saying it, yeah. We were just, well, we knew what we were looking for. It was know? just your job? Yeah, it was just my job at the time. And you know, this is what they were saying, is it was Mexican cartels that were planting weed over here, and they were going to do it. We were going to stop that. And I'm like, all right. You, you were know? just the eyes. You didn't get, you weren't on the ground taking care of it? Oh, yeah. We actually, we would actually... I remember a certain three-point landing that I called the helicopter down to, to where we got to jump out and start hacking and hacking them down, you know? And, and then, oh no, we weren't cutting them down. It was already cut down and we landed there to drop off a net. And then they put it all on a big cargo net and then we hovered back over it and I hooked the net up and we drug that out and dumped about 
400 pounds of marijuana plants in the middle of the road. And then we had to put it on a truck. We had to like throw it into a truck, a big dump truck like situation. So we were covered in it and they weren't going to test us for 30 days after we got back because we had contact. And it was amazing how many really good buds, you know, when you're doing a, when you're a helicopter mechanic, you know where all the panels are that you got to remove to do the inspections and which ones are just fucking empty boxes that ain't going to hold nothing except for your weed on the way home. And so, yeah. You didn't find problems with um, consuming cannabis and being in the military? No, in fact, I think if if they really wanted to solve the alcohol problem that they definitely fucking have in the military, they would allow troops to use more cannabis. But here's the problem you got with cannabis in the military, okay? And they've known this from the very beginning. Me and you just smoked a bowl. You feel like kicking my ass? Uh, no. See? That's no, totally out of there. It's not their fucking purpose. They don't want to... They're not training people to sit around and get along and talk shit out. They want you to fucking kill that guy. So, yeah, it'll be a long time before they take you. Yes, alcohol does a good job of that. Alcohol for the army, yeah. You want lots of people. I mean, you know, I think think that as as a citizen serving my country, I learned how to serve my country. Because I took all those skills that maybe I gained in there and I transferred them after I got out. But there is definitely a better way to give young people those skills than to put them in harm's way and uh, be shot at and take other people's freedom away. Yeah, yeah, you know, stuff like that. Yeah, it's it's it really is a racket, but it's it's big money. And I was in army aviation, and so and 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 I've always been. I've always looked a lot dumber than I am, which has helped me get by. I'm sorry, you know. I just, I got the that low kind expectations. Of, well, that people, people don't think I'm seeing what I'm seeing, but you know, when you're when you're doing army aviation and you know, and, and then you you get out and you start um, you start getting trained in it and stuff, you realize that a lot of the weapons and a lot of everything's aviation now. It's all Air Force. Aviation was taken away from the army. That's where the Air Force came from. So you learn that, and then you see everything that bombs do is they're just flying rockets and stuff like that and you're like man who makes all this shit Lear Sigler you ever hear them no Northrop Drummond or it's an aviation company that makes uh, a lot of Boeing yeah Boeing too and they're aviation companies but they also make a lot of weapons for the for the United States I have one moment in my life where I look at the timeline and think this was a great moment for me as a human. Mm-hmm. I was up for, uh, my friend and I were up for a um, internship, summer internship after we graduated to yeah. work at Aberdeen Proving Grounds. Okay. To we're, a lot of experiments and we were doing some kind of, uh, we were going to be doing engineering. And they were working on better bombs and better ways to kill people. Yeah. And... I did not get that, and I was really disappointed. And my friend did, mm-hmm. and now he is—he works for the military some way and makes bombs that kill people better. Yeah, and I don't—I don't like um, that. Never was my life, and it feels good that that didn't. I could have easily gone that way because of winning that one little spot. But you know, everybody that's doing that—you know—when I was in the army, I was all about what I was doing. You know, it was the right thing to do. Cause I was doing it well, when changed? I was out it was just a, being out uh, 
Oh, no, I had some transitions in the Army. I went from an air assault group because I really didn't like the whole concept of air assault to a medevac group because I, something was changing in me. You know, I was really wanting to be more of service and less of a destructive force. I don't know. I had kids and stuff like that. But it, I didn't, it didn't stomach with me well. I liked, I liked shooting a gun. It was fun. But uh, pointing it at living things, you know, it's like they're just there for the same reason I am. I don't know. I had a hard time with it. And rather than go through the it's whole all conscience. Smoking, just, huh? Were you smoking yeah. pot then? Um, no, I actually wasn't. It was just probably leftover impressions from times that I, you know, sat around. They all, thinking. Yeah, thinking on the other end of a bong, you know. They ask you that kind of stuff before they recruit you and let you in. It's like, how much pot did you smoke? And you're always going to lie. It's none, man. I don't smoke pot, you know, because they won't let you in. Right. <clears throat> and it's an easy thing to say. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it might even be the, the cause of so much of the um, mental disorders that are coming out of that kind of service. You know, it's like you, you got to go in there. You got to be something that you really know you, you shouldn't be, you know. Right. Turning that part of yourself or off. There's just, yeah. And there's just, uh, it remind, I think maybe that when we see an end of war, it'll be because all the soldiers finally... Uh, all the ones that are carrying the guns and pushing the buttons and, you know, they, they stop and they scratch their heads and they go, wait a minute, this just don't feel right anymore. Uh, it'll be like a collective consciousness. It'll be great. I think maybe it's coming, you know. I like the hope to, to see a, a change in our, in our lifetime. Did you ever hear about that experiment they did with, uh, with the 100 monkeys? It's called the 100th monkey or something. They took a, a tribe of monkeys in Africa and a tribe of monkeys monkeys in South America, same um, type of monkey. There's, you know, on different continents. Mm -hmm. And every day these scientists would give them a sweet potato because um, it's like their favorite food. They really like sweet potatoes. But before they gave it to them, they would roll it in sand. they get it wet and roll it in sand and make it all covered in sand, which is not pleasant to eat. Mm -hmm. And they'd smack at it. They ate it anyway. They dealt with it. Well, one day in Africa, this little girl monkey goes down to the stream and rinses her, rinses the sand off of her sweet potato, right? And then eats it and has a wonderful experience, tells another monkey, who tells another monkey. And they're watching this go on. And then at a, the tribe's pretty big, maybe a couple hundred, but they noticed that at the hundredth monkey, all of a sudden, all the monkeys went down and washed their sweet potatoes. And so they call up South America and they're like, man, we're excited. We got something to tell you that our monkeys just did. And South America says, hold the fuck on. Wait, all our monkeys for no reason just washed all their sweet potatoes today. Right? So now none of the monkeys in South America were washing their sweet potatoes. But they knew to do it a continent away because every single one of the other monkeys in, in the African group knew it. And it was a collective consciousness. It's like same species. So, right. So in other words, when a certain number of us know... That collective mind power of all the same species. Then it's all going to stop. All the BS. <laughs> Dab Lab AK. Winner of Cannabis Classic 2017 Alaska's Best Glass Shop. And there's no doubt as to why. High quality American made glass, none of this cheap import stuff. With the best CBD and accessories available on the market, all in a comfortable, professional setting with competitive prices. Support local, College Road, Fairbanks. 
I'm gonna let my buddy Alaska Red tell you. For the highest quality glass that you're gonna find in Alaska, head on down to my buddy's shop, Dab Lab AK, 3410 College Road. That's Dab Lab AK, 3410 College Road, Fairbanks, Alaska. 10 to 9, Sunday through Thursday, open till 11, Friday to Saturday. For all your cannabis accessory needs, Dab Lab AK. Backtrack provided by Alaska Red Lyrical Sticker. That's what baffles me, man. It baffles me from morning until night. I have this thought over and over again these days. I look around in this world and I'm like, wait a minute. I'm 51, dude. Even if I live to 100, I'm only going to live another 49 years, okay? Every 100 years, everybody that's alive, okay, in 100 years, everybody that's alive today is going to be dead. Right? Mm -hmm. So how do these fucked up ideas keep getting passed on so easily tradition don't all these stupid motherfuckers die don't we don't the dumb ideas die with them not if there's tradition people think that think it just we have to do it because we did it yesterday yeah it's another monkey experiment it really is it boils down to the you know the five monkeys in the cage they had the five monkeys in the cage and then they put the ladder in the cage and they hung the bananas up above the banana and if any of those monkeys went up that ladder to get those bananas, they sprayed them with icy cold water. Until when a monkey would try and go up the banana uh, to get the bananas, the other four monkeys would beat the shit out of it and keep it from getting up there because they didn't want to get sprayed with cold water. Then they stopped with the cold water, took a monkey out, put a fresh monkey in. In two weeks, they had monkeys. They rotated them out. In a couple of weeks, they had monkeys they would never been sprayed with cold water, but would still beat the shit out of any monkey that tried to go up that fucking ladder for the bananas. They had no reason, they didn't know why, but that was the tradition, was to beat the shit out of monkeys that went after the fucking bananas. Okay? And they just keep doing it, not knowing why. Anyone who tries to leave the group, huh? Get them back in. You know. But you know, that's society. Society is the cage, and these old traditions of the hot, or the hot or the icy cold water, whatever, you know, it is that, that's torturous to you, and the genetic memory of that, I think, lives on. Especially when the it comes to scream, right? Especially when it comes to, yeah, to, to pain. And, and I, why do you think women all share these same, t- they for eons have been tortured and imprisoned. <laughs> yeah, forever men have been doing bad things to women and to other men mm-hmm. but to each other people to yeah, each other yeah, people women do bad shit to, to women and women do bad shit to men too man don't don't you know it's kind of a people are just freaking ugly sometimes it is it's a it's a people thing and it's the it's the it's the potential you know there's that same potential to be dark and ugly in everybody you know that's why we get afraid like i see somebody doing something mean shitty and I get angry at that person, right? But I, I wasn't paying attention close enough most of the time to realize that I became afraid that I could do that too before I got angry at him for doing it. Mm-hmm. It's like that same potential exists in me and that's making me so afraid because anger is always a response to fear, right? Yes. So I get angry at this guy for doing that. It's none of my business, but really why am I angry? Because I don't want to be that. Mm-hmm. Or I am that. 
Yeah, I, I hate I, that about myself. Yeah, I hate that about me, and I don't want anybody to know it. So I've got to amplify the fact that I hate it. And, you know, you know. I, I it was a good lesson of mine learning that pe- things that I didn't like about other people were aspects were of things self. that I didn't like about myself. And I, that's, if you change that within yourself, then you stop seeing that out there. Right. You see the stuff that you need to change. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Because mm. there's this, you know, there's there's that sick, perverted, evil motherfucker out there, right? And let's say I condemn him, right? And I don't allow him a chance to ever get better or recover himself. You know, I'm pretty much saying that if he's hopeless, then at some point in my life, I could become hopeless too. And I don't like that, so... Maybe if you do that same act. Are there some acts... Do you think that are um, you're always allowed redemption? Uh, you know, I just think it's I think it's up to a person to can you forgive yourself for it? Can you get over it? A lot of times, you I've seen people do really dark shit and they they get over it by forgiving themselves and then spending uh, you know the rest of their life in service to in some way. You know what I'm saying? Paying back. Yeah, just try, try, yeah, trying to um, make a difference in that way. I don't know, man. It's a, it's a tough one. I don't think there's anything that, that we've ever done wrong given, given the nature of, of the... You see, I, don't be, I, I believe this is an illusion. I believe that this... Have you read Illusions? No. No, is it a book? No. Richard Bachman, the guy that wrote um, John Linton Siegel. Oh, I like Jonathan. Yeah, I've read that. So yeah, in light of the bird story, you check out yeah, I would check it finds you when you're when um, since you don't know, and it's really that I need to read it for you. Yeah, that's the way the book finds people. Exactly, it's an illusion. Yeah, I would just. I think what's I think in in the very end where it's going to be like this this you're you're playing Monopoly. Me and you are playing Monopoly. But for some reason, I know this might sound absurd, for some reason, you forget you're not really the little shoe. And I forget that I'm not really the little silver car. And we're playing the game and all kinds of stuff is happening and it seems really fucking real to us. But there's going to come a point where we're going to be right here like this again and we're going to look down at the board and we're going to go, fuck, that was just a game. No one was really harmed. Nothing really. We just had this experience no bad things were ever bad. No good things were ever good. It was just, just a ride. The world is like a ride at an amusement park. And when you choose to go on it, you think it's real because that's how powerful our minds are. And the ride goes up and down and round and round. It has thrills and chills and it's very brightly colored and it's very loud. And it's fun for a while. Some people have been on the ride for a long time and they begin to question, is this real or is this just a ride? And other people have remembered and they come back to us and they say, hey, don't worry, don't be afraid ever because this is just a ride and we kill those people. (laughs) Shut him up. We have a lot invested in this ride. Shut him up. Look at my furrows of worry. Look at my big bank account and my family. This has to be real. It's just a ride. But we always kill those good guys who try and tell us that. You ever notice that? And let the demons run amok. But it doesn't matter because it's just a ride. And we can change it anytime we want.
only a choice. No effort, no work, no job, no savings of money. A choice right now between fear and love. The eyes of fear want you to put bigger locks on your door, buy guns, close yourself off. The eyes of love instead see all of us as one. Here's what we can do to change the world right now to a better ride. Take all that money we spend on weapons and defense each year and instead spend it feeding, clothing, and educating the poor of the world, which it would many times over, not one human being excluded, and we can explore space together, both inner and outer, forever in peace. It was just, it was an experience. It was consciousness experiencing itself as Dave. I tell my, I tell my old lady, I'm like, we're just waves and we're cresting, and everything that makes us up as that wave is beautiful, and here we are, but sooner or later, we're gonna go back into that ocean, and everything about us is gonna mix with the immensity of that ocean. Loss of self. Yeah, Loss and you've of Dave. gotta be a, but no, because I never was just Dave. I was just this little cresting thing out of the ocean, having an experience of it. That's saying I'm here. Right, and, and what I melt back into is going to be so, much larger, all-knowing and vast and comforting that that loss of self that we get so afraid of that keeps us from taking the five grams in total darkness. The world is truly a strange place, getting stranger all the time. It's more the character of a pun or a, uh, a, an optical illusion than it is the... the the world of humorless, scurrying, gray atoms and invisible forces that we inherit from nature. The laboratory of being is your own body, your experience. You know, it's learning how to die properly, learning how to exit this life. People don't want to do it. They want to clean. No one gets out of here alive doesn't happen no matter no matter how much you fear it it's gonna happen yeah so that's kind of what i've been doing is i tell as i yeah i tell her it's just a it's like a big it's like a love song man how about we end with a love song and with a love song this one's called stacy just like me Adrift in a prayer Carrying on like there isn't a care In the world This world that really, really ain't there Anymore Now since I love in her eyes Just like her Down by fire, avoiding the shoulds. Should this feel so damn good? Hell yeah, now that I come to realize. Just like her, just like me. Just two ways. In a great big city 
just like us and just like them Speaking of oceans, you see this bracelet? These glass beads were rescued from the ocean as garbage. There's a, a four, like the number four, and oceans site you can check out online. And what they're doing is they're recovering garbage from the ocean, turning it into art, selling it so that they can make more money to get more garbage out of the ocean and make it into art or something else useful rather than choking out sea turtles yeah, and crap like that, right? right? Our yeah. kids are taking charge and they're going to clean up the mess we made. That's really humbling. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, right? <laughs> hey, hey! Thank you for joining us on Far North Tokers. You can find more episodes of this time capsule of Alaskan cannabis on SoundCloud and iTunes. Check us out on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, send questions and comments to midtoker at farnorthtokers.com. M-I-D-T-O-K-E-R at farnorthtokers.com. Here's Toker.
that he would probably never do. Edit, edit, edit. 